Thanks for listening to the teaching podcast for People of Hope Church. To learn more about our ministry in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, visit peopleofhope.church. Good morning. Today we are continuing in a series called Hold On. And last week we spent some time together looking at this moment where the Apostle Peter created his own crisis and he had this moment of doubt and he began to sink as he realized the wind was so strong and he forgot that Jesus was so strong. He began to sink, but he cried out to the Lord for help. The Lord rescued him and he climbed back in the boat. And as embarrassing as it might have been to have to get back in the boat with all of his friends and all of his peers, he got back in the boat and he kept going. This morning, we are going to take a look at what it is to hold on in light of some circumstances that may have come into our lives where we have been mistreated or wrong has been done to us or we have been the victims of injustice. Now, before we throw around that word injustice too quickly, let's frame that just for a moment. You cannot talk about injustice in your workplace, in my workplace, in my neighborhood, in your neighborhood, in our families. We cannot talk about injustice justice like that and put it on equal par with things like the Holocaust, that's injustice to a different level. 17th, 18th century, 16th century um, African slavery, um, grabbing people out of their villages and throwing them into boats against their will, taking them across the ocean and then kicking them off and mistreating them for generations as slave labor. That's injustice of a whole different level. I think about the terrible problem in our country, not just in far reaches of the world, but in our country, the terrible problem of human trafficking. That includes everything from uh, young girls being captured or lured or deceived into some sort of a a captive arrangement and then they are, are used for their bodies to make money for some very evil people. Ranging from that all the way to a very real issue in our state where people are being lured and cap taken captive and there are people who are being used for their organs. People are harvesting organs and selling them. That is absolutely awful. It's wrong on a whole different level. And it's difficult for us to put ourselves in the mind of a Jewish person who was loaded onto a train car and taken off to Auschwitz. It's difficult to put our minds in the the framework of a person who was ripped from their family in a village in Africa and put on a ship. It's hard to put in our minds someone who was lied to and all of a sudden they're in a brothel um, here in Tennessee. It's hard for us to put our minds in that, but we understand hurt and mistreatment, don't we? Some of you have been betrayed. Some of you have been betrayed by someone you trusted, by someone you loved, by someone you did life with, by someone you thought, of all the people who will never let me down or turn their back on me, this person has betrayed me. Maybe they've betrayed you in business. Maybe they've betrayed you in marriage. This thing will never go south, and it went south. Maybe you've been passed over at work once, twice, three times, 
and you're doing everything by the book, you're doing things with honor and integrity, and the person who's passed you over is cheating, stealing, cutting corners, lying, and just taking all kinds of inappropriate shortcuts, and they're getting ahead. Maybe you were a victim of child abuse. Maybe you're the victim of physical abuse. Maybe you're the victim of verbal and emotional abuse. Most of us in this room have had some moment in our lives when we've been falsely accused. Falsely accused of doing something terrible. Falsely accused of doing something petty and small. Falsely accused of having bad motives. Falsely accused of saying things you didn't say. We've all experienced this kind of mistreatment. It's part of life on this fallen world, true? And there's this big evil out there, this mistreatment and injustice, and there's this common everyday evil and injustice and mistreatment that you and I go through on a daily basis. And some of us in this room, you're still carrying the scars and the wounds of something that was done to you 10 years ago. You're still carrying the scars and the wounds of something that was said to you 11 months ago, 15 years ago, two years ago, two weeks ago. How do we hold on in the face of mistreatment? Because we're going to be mistreated. And if we're really honest, we're going to have bad days where we mistreat others. But how do we hold on in injustice and mistreatment when we're oppressed, disrespected, dishonored? That's where we're headed today. Open your Bibles to Genesis 39. In Genesis 39, we have the story of Joseph. Joseph, um, one of the, the sons who would go on, and he and his brothers, to form the 12 tribes of Israel. Um, Joseph, coat of many colors, Joseph, beloved son. His brothers were jealous. They did something awful. You talk about injustice and mistreatment. His brothers uh, threw him in a pit, lied to the father, and said that he was killed by an animal. And then they, their brothers sold him to some traveling salespeople, some Ishmaelites. He sold, he sold them. <laughs> he sold their brother. Can you conceive of the betrayal? Joseph is carried off to Egypt. Genesis 39, starting in verse 1. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt and Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, brought him from, um, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. So the, the next leg on the perils of Joseph are that he was now been sold a second time and he has a new master, Potiphar, a high-ranking official in Egypt. Verse 2, and the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and he lived in the house of the Egyptian master. And when his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. And Potiphar put him in charge of his household and when he entrusted to his care everything he owned, from the time he put him in charge of his household 
and all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. And the blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food that he ate. Time out. What the writer of Genesis wants us to understand is is that Joseph was fully trusted. Joseph was this man of integrity. Joseph, you could give Joseph something, you could give him a big old pot of gold and not have to worry about it because he could be trusted. He would not take even one coin from the pot of gold. He could be absolutely trusted and Potiphar did that. He saw the hand of God on his life and because Potiphar trusted him, good things were happening for Potiphar. He was blessed. Good things were going on. Next verse, verse six, the end of verse six. Now Joseph was well built and handsome. It's an interesting Bible verse, isn't it? (laughs) Joseph was well built and handsome. And after a while, his master's wife, so Potiphar's wife, took interest and notice of Joseph and said to him, come to bed with me. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house and everything he owns he has entrusted to my care and no one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God. Here is this man of integrity. He is not saying, nope, I can't do this with you, Madam Potiphar, because we might get caught. Nope, I I can't do this with you because you're not all that pretty, and I'm well-built and handsome. (laughs) He's not saying any of those things. He's saying this is a wicked thing. He is doing the right thing in this moment. He's having the right response. And by the way, whenever you face temptation, you need to call it out for what it is. And this is what Joseph is doing. There's no way I could do this wicked thing. This is, this is this man who trusts me. You're his wife. And that's not right. You guys made promises. You guys are together. I'm not going to be a part of you breaking those vows. I am not getting involved in that wicked thing. And I'm not going to sin against God. Because it's not just about who might catch you in doing something wrong. It's that you're always under the eyes of your father and you want to live in a way that pleases him. You want to honor God with your time and your decisions and the hours you put in at work. You want to honor God with who you are in your responsibilities. You want to honor the Lord despite whether anybody else notices you cheating or not. You want to do right in school, in work, because there are sins against the situation you're in and then there are sins against the Father. And Joseph was talking about both. I'm not going to violate and do this wicked thing in this household where I am in. But I'm also not going to violate who I need to be before my God. Joseph is responding beautifully. Verse 10. 
And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even to be with her. I don't even want to be in the same room with her. What a great principle in, in facing temptation. If you've got a situation of temptation, don't even put yourself alone with that temptation. I, I, I'm just not even going to put myself in a place where I could trip or stumble into trouble. And one day he went into the house to attend to his duties and none of the household servants were inside. And she caught him by his cloak or his outer garment and she said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house, absolutely doing the right thing. Run, flee temptation. This is the beautiful picture of it right here. Verse 13, and when she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and had run out of the house, she called her household servants and said, look, she said to them, this Hebrew has been brought to us to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. And when he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak beside me and he ran out of the house. She kept his cloak beside her until his master Potiphar came home. And then she told him this story, not, not the truth. She told him this story. That Hebrew slave you brought us came to me to make sport of me. But as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. And when his master heard the story, his wife told him saying, this is how your slave treated me. He burned with anger. And Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him, and he showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the Lord put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. And the warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care, because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. What a powerful story of mistreatment, of injustice. I want to give you several things this morning to help us wrap our hearts and minds around this. And my prayer for you and for me is that we would hear our own stories through the story of Joseph and this idea of injustice and, and that God would speak to our hearts and do some work in our hearts today. So let's, let's jump into these things today. Number one, Joseph did everything right but still ended up in prison. Joseph did everything right, but still ended up in prison. Here's, here's what I, I want you to understand this morning, and I want to particularly speak to the younger people in the room this morning. Life is not at all fair. And the older of us in the room, we understand that. We have the scars and the limps to prove it. But life is not at all fair. And so do not be surprised when a person schemes against you. Do not be surprised when someone steps over you to get ahead. Do not be surprised when someone tells a lie about you. Do not be surprised when you do everything right and yet something unjust takes place. 
because there is evil in this world. There are people who will trick 16-year-old girls through online conversations and then enslave them in brothels to use their body. That's evil. I believe, I believe that God gives this miracle to people where he enables a man and a woman to come together and a baby is made. And at conception, there is life. And somewhere along the way, evil has decided that that life isn't as, as valuable as other people think it is. And they've, th- they've decided it's okay to end that life out of convenience. That's evil. And there are evil people. That's just true. There are bad people who do unkind things and they don't value your life. They don't value your career. They don't value your happiness. They don't value, I'm not saying anything new to those who've lived a little bit. Amen? There are people who will lie to get what they want and they don't care who it hurts. There are people who will betray and scheme and backstab and spread rumors. This world is absolutely fractured because of sin. And every person who does something unjust is acting out of their sinfulness. It never excuses them. But it's something we can point to. But thanks be to God, who in his kindness so loved the world that he gave his only son, Jesus. And Jesus died to forever defeat the power of sin. See, the hope is, is that you and I can have our lives changed by putting faith in Jesus. Jesus died and was raised to life again, and God has made this incredible invitation to us that if we would believe in Jesus and his work accomplished on the cross, that we could be born again in our hearts. We could be made new and clean and forgiven and adopted and set free from the grip of sin in our lives. And the message of hope to the world is, is sin leading you down to evil and dark, costly places of regret? Is sin costing you so much in your life? Come to Jesus and be set free. Come to Jesus and let him change your heart. Come to Jesus and let him make you clean. This world is absolutely broken. And you can do everything right You can do everything by the book. You can be honest. And sinful people will still make sinful choices on your team, in your class, at your workplace, in your relationships. Well, thanks, Pastor. That's nice and shiny, sunny good news. Thanks for that. It is important that we understand the brightness of the light of Jesus in contrast to how dark the dark is. 
And for us as Christians, we are not going to be people living by cliche. Oh, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's true. But sometimes there are evil people and God allows them to make choices that absolutely just sideswipe your plans in your life. So how do you live as a Christian when mistreatment happens? Look at Joseph. He's, can you imagine being in that prison cell at any moment, thinking about his life? My brothers throw me in a pit. They, they kill an animal and wipe the blood all over my robe, and they're going to lie to my dad about the fact he thinks I'm dead right now. I'm sold to some Ishmaelites. I'm sent off to Egypt, and now I've been sold again. But listen, the Lord was with me, and good things were happening. Amazing things were happening. Great favor and kindness and blessing in the house of Potiphar. And then this woman comes at me, and she understands I am well-built and handsome. (laughs) And she invites me in. And I say no to honor the kindness of Potiphar. And I say no to honor my God. And yet still, she lies, she makes up the stories, and she's getting ahead, and I'm in prison. I did everything right. And let it be said of us, in this church that we talk about real life here. Yes, you can do all things through Christ, but sometimes life will throw you a curveball, And you'll be betrayed. You'll be wounded. And I want us to have some framework for meshing that with who God is. Was God on his throne in that moment and suddenly, you know, looked away for a bit and then something happened to you and then God's saying, oh, sorry about that. I looked away for a moment. Sorry, someone got the better of me. No, no one ever pulls one over on God. Amen? Amen. There was never a moment where God says, sorry, you know, they were just too powerful. I could No, God had never has a moment where he is outgunned. So how do we mesh all this up? I want to live rightly, but then there are all these terrible things. Evil and evil people are real, and life is not at all fair. Number two, when you see the mistreatment of others, get involved. It would honor the Lord. When you see the mistreatment of others, get involved. Now, don't assume you know everything, but speak up and ask questions. If you think there's a child that's being abused, if you think there's a, a young person being abused, if you think there's an employee being abused, then, then you need to ask some questions and speak up. We, as the people of God, we want to wave a banner of justice and righteousness, and we do not want to cower away and say, I'm not going to get involved because that would be messy. Someone once famously said that evil things happen because good people say nothing and do nothing. So people of God, where you see oppression, ask questions. Don't assume you know the situation, but get involved and speak up. And step in. I was reading in Ecclesiastes this week all those verses about there's a time for this, there's a time for, 
for these things. And, and, and one of the things that it says, this is a time to fight. There's a time for war. And there's a time to speak. And there's a time to be silent. There is a time to speak. And Christians don't need to be the ones who are on the sidelines. If you believe that abortion is injustice, speak up and get involved. If you believe that human trafficking is wrong, speak up and get involved. If you believe that racism is wrong, speak up, call it out, get involved. If you believe that there's injustice in your workplace, speak up, ask questions, get involved. Christians are not called to be doormats in the culture. Christians are not called to be weak and silent all the time. Which leads me to this understanding that being quiet isn't always the godliest response. This is verse in Exodus 14, and maybe you've heard this verse before, and it says, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be silent. And I'm concerned that some people may read that verse and think, well, if there's a moment of injustice, if I'm being mistreated, if someone's lying about me, if they've betrayed me, the Lord will fight with me. I just need to be quiet and take it. No, that's not what that verse is saying. That's actually a verse that Moses is kind of dealing with the people of Israel and they've been grumbling and complaining as God leads them across the desert. And he says, look, the Lord will fight for you. The Lord will take care of you. Just stop your whining. It was about them and the exodus. God, this is not God teaching us how to endure mistreatment and injustice. So silence is not always the godliest response. Speak up, Christians. Be the voice for those who have no voice. Here in Tennessee, there are multiple ways that you can get involved. There's an organization called In Slavery Tennessee that's fighting human trafficking, and they have an office um, in Nashville. There's a, another organization called Hope for Justice, and they have an office in Nashville, and they are working on human trafficking and some of the evils of organ harvesting and all kinds of awful, terrible things that are going on in our culture in 2019 in our backyard. And I believe it would honor the Lord. And I believe it would honor who we are as a people of hope. To not just offer hope with words, but to get in there. If you go on some of these websites for In Slavery Tennessee and Hope for Justice, you hear story after story after story of people who got involved and there was investigation work that needed to happen. There were, was in, involvement with law enforcement that needed to happen. There was setup of counseling and, and helping, to people, helping people readjust and all those kind of things. There were medical issues that needed to be addressed, but people got involved and there's story after story after story of someone saying, I was in a dark and grimy place and the person who lied to me had me hooked on drugs and they were having me sell my body and I would just try to fall asleep thinking I could never, ever, ever escape. And then I was rescued. Let's be a part of that. Let's be a part of hope for people in evil circumstances. So when you see others being mistreated, get involved. Number three, when you endure personal mistreatment, 
respond to it with strength. Respond to personal mistreatment with strength. I mentioned a moment ago, keeping silent isn't always the godliest response. It is absolutely appropriate for you to speak up for yourself and tell the truth. But you must be on your guard against vengeance. Because vengeance belongs to the Lord. Someone has lied to you, someone has mistreated you, someone has betrayed you, someone has, has gone behind your back, someone has skipped um, what, doing what was right and they did what was wrong and they're getting ahead. Someone has just been absolutely cruel to you, okay? Respond with strength. You don't have to keep silent. You can stand up for yourself. But there is a difference between winning and crushing. And the only one who gets to crush if there is a need for crushing is the Lord. So stand up for yourself. Stand up for your situation. But remember that you represent Jesus. And you want to respond with strength. But you want to respond with godly strength. And you want to stand in the truth. You don't want to stand on their throat. Last year, sorry, two years ago, there was a football player at a college up in the Northeast and he was accused of rape by this young woman who was at a party. And his life was ruined. He lost some scholarships. He was off the team. Nobody wanted to be around him. 14 months later, she came back and said, I, I made it all up. And I was reading some comments about this story and there was this person, about five people down in the comments on this website as I was reading the story about this guy and the, this girl who lied, she's now in prison. For, for giving a false testimony and this person about five people down in the comments was like I hope that somebody beats her up every day in prison that's vengeance talking and I know you've been wounded and I know you've been hurt but let's not let Satan win twice when you were violated and mistreated and abused and betrayed and hurt and oppressed and when there was injustice brought upon you, Satan got a little victory moment right there in that, in that little snapshot. But when you then come in with seething, vengeful thoughts of wanting to hurt and harm that other person, you are now letting him win a second time. So respond with strength, but let it be godly strength. How do I know if it's godly strength? What do my prayers for that person sound like? Someone hurt you or mistreat you or abuse you, what do your prayers for them sound like? Oh Lord, bring them to their senses. Oh Lord, set them free from the obvious grip that sin has on their life. Oh Lord, rescue them out of the darkness. They don't even know what they're doing. They can't see what they're doing. God, set them free. God, bring the truth to light. God, do not let them prosper. They are lying in what they're doing. God, stop the lies. 
Stop their campaign. Fix this, Lord. Solve this, Lord. Rescue me, Lord. Deliver me, Lord. But Lord, in doing so, do a work in their heart as well. That would honor Jesus. Number four, if you're in a situation of mistreatment or injustice, hold on and trust that God has a plan. Hold on and trust that God has a plan. I want you to look at this verse with me in the book of Romans, Romans 8, 28. This is where Paul reminds us about who our God is. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So let's leave this verse here for a second. In all things, God works for the good. And you, may, you and I may not understand it. We may not see how the puzzle fits together. We may not God's, understand God's reason for it. We can't even comprehend how God could allow this. Nothing sneaks by him. Nothing overpowers him. We cannot fathom why God would say, I'm not going to intervene and stop this. But we have trust that there is a God and that he's on his throne and that he has a plan, a big, gigantic, complicated, intricate plan. And in all things, in what happened to you, God is working for good. Well, well, I don't see it. I I know you don't see it. And I'm not trying to give you an easy answer. I'm not at all trying to say to you, oh, don't act like it didn't hurt because you need to trust that God's working for your good. No, it does hurt. And you need to embrace that hurt and be honest with the Lord about that hurt that you're still grieving. You're still in pain. You're still struggling from what happened to you. And you're not sure why it is good. Notice the verse. God's not asking you to call the thing that happened to you good. He's asking you to trust that he is working all things, including that thing, for good. God's going to take this evil thing and he's going to pick it out and put it in a way that works out for good. That's game-changing in your heart. God is not asking you, Christian, to call what happened to you, the lie that was told about you, the abuse that happened to you, the betrayal that happened to you, the mistreatment that came upon your life. He's not asking you to call that act good. No, it was evil. It was wrong. But our trust, and that's what we're going to respond with, is I don't see how this is going to turn out okay. I don't see how this is going to go well. I don't see why this could be allowed to happen. But I trust that my God is going to take this act and in the complexity of the story of creation, God's going to use it and cause it to work for good. Looking at this verse right here, we think of Joseph. Think of the rest of the story of Joseph. 
betrayed by his brothers, thrown into a pit. Father was lied to and thought he was dead. He was sold to the Ishmaelites. He was carried off to Egypt. He was sold again to Potiphar. He was raised up in blessing in the house of Potiphar. Then he was falsely accused of of rape by Potiphar's wife, and he was thrown into prison. And then he was forgotten in prison. And then he was elevated to this place of authority in the house of Pharaoh. And then later on, Pharaoh had some dreams, and he was able to interpret some dreams. And it was about this idea of a famine that was coming and there were going to be years of plenty first of all and so Joseph was put in a position to tell the Pharaoh here's what needs to happen you need an economic plan for your agricultural situation you're going to have some really good years and some bad years so in these really good years store up all the grain don't eat it all store up a boatload of grain because there are going to be seven years of famine And all of that happened. And then Joseph's family and the nation of God's people come because the famine has happened and they're starving. Where can we go to possibly find food? And they make their way to Egypt. And God has gone on ahead of them And in their desperate moment of starvation, God has already sent a provision ahead of them. God has already put a family member ahead of them. God has already caused Joseph to rise to the position of authority so that not only Egypt, but also Israel has food to eat and the nation is saved. And Joseph has this moment You can read it tonight before you go to bed in the book of Genesis. Where he says, what you intended for evil, God took that and had a plan to use it for good. And we can sit back and zoom out and go, wow, amazing. God had this incredible plan. And we thought he was doing this little thing over here to Joseph. But the whole time, he was moving Joseph into this important position to save an entire nation. Wow, way to go, God. But still, Joseph was thrown into a pit. How do you think that felt? Joseph was betrayed by his family. How did that feel? Sold, sold again, falsely accused, imprisoned, forgotten. How did all that experience Register in Joseph's heart. My challenge to you is if you're in a situation right now where it works, somebody's lied to you about you. It works, somebody's cut you off. If work, somebody stole an account that was yours or a client that was yours. If work, if someone is throwing you under the bus and they're saying things that aren't true about you. If in a relationship, someone has is, is betrayed you or hurt you and wounded you. I, I'm not asking you to figure out what God is up to. That job is exclusively God's job to see the big picture. But what I am asking you to do is to respond with trust. I trust, I know that in all things, even this thing, I'm suffering right now. God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. Respond with trust. I don't know how this is going to work out. Did it work out well for Joseph in the end? Yep. Did it work out 
perfectly for all those who were a part of the Holocaust? Was every innocent person sent to prison? Have they already been set free? It doesn't always work out for our comfort. But that's not our focus. Our focus is, God, I'm trusting you to work this for good. Only God could take something evil and flip it and turn it into something powerful. So this morning, if you're struggling, if you're in a rough position of mistreatment, oppression, betrayal, lies, false accusation, injustice, I'm not asking you to call it good. I'm not asking you to put a fake smile on. I'm not asking you to pretend it doesn't hurt and sting. And I'm certainly not asking you to figure out how God's going to turn it into something beautiful. But I am asking you to respond with trust and prayer to God. Just a little bit of hope. Because remember who our God is. He takes evil things and he flips them. There's no better way to see that than the cross. Satan did not win a victory on the cross. The cross was the victory of God over sin. It was never defeat. A couple more things. If you're experiencing personal injustice and mistreatment, hold on and trust that God is with you right now. Another scripture verse I want you to look at is Psalm 118, verse 6. It's going to come up on your screen if you don't have it there in front of you. It's just a sweet little verse that says, The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? And you may go, oh, time out. I know what mere mortals can do to me. They can do lots to me. I felt it. But the verse is beautiful because it reminds you that you've not been forgotten. You're not overlooked. That the Lord sees you. The Lord knows you. The Lord is with you. But it also is a good reminding of the fact the people who are against you, they're mere mortals. And they never twist the arm of God. They never pull one over on him. They're never stronger. They're never more clever. They never outfox God. They never scheme their way to, to conquering God's plans. They are ne- they're just mere mortals. They're just people. And most of them are mistreating you out of their own woundedness. Most of the people who mistreat us are mistreating us out of their own woundedness. So I trust the Lord is with me. And I trust that these people, these people in the grip of sin, these people who are so hurting on the inside themselves, I want to pray for them. But I also want to rest in knowing that on the darkest of days, the Lord is with me. I'll pray that that's a comfort to your soul. I challenge you today to forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. 
Some of us in the room are still thinking about and carrying wounds from things done to us and said to us 20 years ago, two years ago, five months ago, and we need to let it go. And we need to lay it down. And we need to forgive. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Isn't it amazing when you put it in those terms, as the Lord forgave you, there's no wiggle room. (laughs) There's no wiggle room, but yeah, but you don't know what they did. Forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. And finally this morning, I would say, for those of you who in an honest moment would say, I have actually been the one who has lied about, started a rumor about, mistreated, betrayed. Some of you, I'm challenging you for the glory of Christ Jesus, clean up what you need to clean up this week. You may need to reach out to someone and say, I was not kind to you. I was wrong. Ask their forgiveness. That would so honor the Lord and it would do a beautiful work of humility and grace in your heart for you to reach out and say, I was a jerk. I'm sorry, I was wrong. It would take a lot of courage, but I believe it would honor the Lord and do a strong work in your heart. Hold on, my friends, if you're in a situation of injustice, hold on because your story isn't over. Some of you are familiar with the life of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Bonhoeffer was a a pastor in Germany during World War II, and he was a very outspoken critic of the Nazi regime and all of their atrocities and the things that they were doing. He claimed the name of Jesus, and he lifted up the name of Jesus, and he said, listen, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong, and just because they're the government, and just because they're the leaders, and they've made these laws, we cannot be silent, we cannot just let this go on, something must be done. And in retaliation for this, um, the Nazi government arrested Dietrich Bonhoeffer and put him in prison. And what was amazing is some of his best writings came out of his days in prison. He wrote amazing works in those days, almost a little bit like the Apostle Paul did, writing some of his amazing letters from prison. But Dietrich Bonhoeffer was human, just like you and I are human, and he struggled with the injustice of it. He was speaking up for what was right. He was calling out righteousness and truth in, in the face of atrocity and evil, and yet he was still put in prison, just like Joseph. And one of the things that Bonhoeffer penned was this prayer. I want you to look at it with me. This, this prayer is going to come up on your screen here for a moment. And this is the prayer of Dietrich Bonhoeffer from prison. And he wrote this and it says, Oh God, early in the morning I cry to you. Help me to pray and gather my thoughts to you for I cannot do it alone. I hope that you find some common understanding in that if you're in a situation of mistreatment or injustice Being honest with the Lord, Lord, I'm weak because I'm mad. He goes on to pray, in me it is dark, but with you there is light. I'm lonely, but you do not desert me. My courage fails me, but you, with you there is help. I am restless, but with you there is peace. In me there is bitterness, but with you there is patience. I do not understand your ways, 
That's Bonhoeffer saying, I understand Romans 8.28, but I do not understand how this fits, how you can flip this for good. I do not understand your ways, but you know the way for me. That's Bonhoeffer saying, I do believe that every decision you make is the right decision. Father in heaven, praise and thanks to you, be to you for the night. I was reading this week about the life of Joseph and the things that he endured and the life of Bonhoeffer and some of the things that they've endured. And the author of his reading said this interesting thing. I wonder if Bonhoeffer and Joseph got to the point of thanking God for the night, of thanking God for the mistreatment, of thanking God for the humiliated position of being falsely accused, for the rough situation of injustice. I wonder if they ever got to a position of thanking God for it because in the night is when God became the most real to them in their entire lives. If you're in something right now that's hard and difficult and unfair, hold on. Trust God. He not you, he can flip this to work for good. Hold on, he is with you. And hold on. God may actually cause you to know him as you cling to him. He may cause you to know him like you've never known him before. And it could be that you get past this and through this and on the other side of this and you thank God for it because it led you to know him and trust him in ways you never thought were possible. You'll likely walk with a limp. You'll likely carry the scars. But that will add to the beauty of the story that God is telling with your life. As you will say, the night was dark, but my God was always faithful. Let's pray.